great. <laughs> well, a very, very warm welcome to our uh, family meeting. Um, yes, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. Um, We've got a few, we get quite a few bits and bobs to get through tonight. Um, what we'll probably do is have a bit of a slot at the end for any questions, but maybe also just feel free on the way through to ask anything you like. And actually, that's probably better, actually. Yeah, as I'm talking, that's probably better. So as we're talking, if stuff comes up, just chime in. Be great to, we can do that in this setting. We've got the time to do it. Um, it, it makes sense. So, um, so do that. But obviously, if there's anything hanging at the end, we'll answer any questions on that front. Okay, I'm going to pray and we'll get straight in. So, Father, just thank you so much for um, being able to be here as your people in the middle of this estate. We thank you for your heart for this estate. We thank you, Lord, for what you are uh, doing here with the gospel community that are here, Lord God. We just want to, um, as, we, as, as we're gathered here, we just want to bless and uh, ask, call on you for your blessing. And all that the guys do that are based and located here, Lord God. We just want to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord on this estate and in this area. And that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And we just say that Queen's Crescent is the Lord's. And uh, Lord, we just pray that our conversations tonight, I pray that, I pray that they would have immediate impact. But I also pray and ask, uh, Lord, that there would be uh, um, impact that goes right through to... Um, um, so years ahead, Lord God, that stuff would be deposited and that you would use what is spoken about tonight uh, in a very long-lasting way. We pray for Holy Spirit uh, deposits, Holy Spirit activity throughout this evening, that faith, and hope, and love be in this place, we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, cool. Um, we'll try and smile nicely and kindly at anyone who walks in while I'm, while I'm, while I'm talking. Torsten was convinced that it was... Uh, it was, it's a name and shame uh, uh, exercise, um, which it, it is. So, uh, he was right. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm going to do uh, this next bit, this first slot, will be unusual in the sense that I'll probably be doing a little bit more reading than normal, but just because I'm going to... Hello. Uh, I'm going uh, to be doing some... <laughs> talking about something that I've never really spoken about much before... Uh, with you guys, with us as a church, and I want to um, speak about life in London for a bit, um, and just maybe get your cogs moving in terms of your own thought processes about living in London, and your uh, your approach in your own heart and mind as to how you see your future panning out in London, if at all. I just want to get some stuff going on that, make a few comments that will hopefully just... Um, uh, be a, a catalyst for some good conversations between yourselves as friends, as married couples, as gospel communities, etc., etc. So I'm aware, firstly, that living in London produces very extreme responses in people. Some people that come and join the church say, I love living here. Um, others say, I can't stand it, but I love the church. And so when they, when they leave, they say, you know what, I'm really sad to be leaving Revelation, but I'm not at all sad to be leaving London. That, that's not uncommon. Um, other people just get here and love it. It's quite unusual for someone to find it middle of the road. It's quite an unusual thing. Someone say, yes, okay. People tend to either really buzz off of it or, or not like it that much at all. But even for those who love it, it's often tinged uh, with mixed feelings, especially as you get older, and especially, obviously, if you've not been brought up in the area. So at the moment, we have, uh, I would say, a small percentage of people in the church who are born in the area. We want that to grow um, over the years so that increasingly we become more, more of a local church. But for most people... You weren't brought up in London. And so um, as you get older, 
um, for many, it becomes slightly less appealing and slightly less exciting. And there are some big decisions to make. London, like any big city, is very transient. You probably would have noticed that. People come and go a heck of a lot. You would have noticed that with your neighbours. Um, maybe some of you are new neighbours. You've just moved in yourself. So the people in your street are thinking, here we go again. Um, that those, just getting to know those people, they, they've gone and got a new bunch in. And that's life in London. That's how it is. Um, and um, that can be quite hard. That can be a challenge, living somewhere quite transient, especially in terms of friendships. I'll talk about that a little bit in a moment. But people come and go. Uh, many of you here tonight may not see your medium or long-term future in London. You may think I'm here to study or I'm here to get started in whatever God's called me to. But after that, you know, once I've done that or established myself in this or in that, I'd love to, I'd love to move out. Um, maybe somewhere cheaper. Um, maybe somewhere quieter. Uh, maybe somewhere with more space. Uh, maybe somewhere that's more suited, apparently, to raising a family. You think, actually, I'd love to get married or I'd love to have children or whatever. And London's not, not the place to do that. And I get it. I totally get it. So it's not wrong, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not trying to correct that tonight. In any way, um, I'm just going to contradict it. Uh, <laughs> it's a little subtle joke there. Okay, so um, I, get, I do want to get you thinking about it, especially when it comes to the whole idea of um, uh, raising family, having kids, etc. Um, many of you would have heard of Tim Keller. He leads a church called Redeemer in New York. And uh, he moved to New York, I think, probably some 20 or so years ago with his young family, and I think with another young family, and started a church from scratch. And I think when the church got to about 1,500 strong, there were still only five kids in the church. Yeah. And it caused them to ask some questions and to reflect on, are we actually serving our kids by, number one, having them in the city, and number two, having them in a church with a pretty small kids' work stroke youth group. And so he preached, he's preached a sermon, which I listened to recently, and I'd recommend, and it's called, It Takes a City to Raise a Child. And what he does is, he, he suggests, his whole premise is, is that in the balance, actually, it's um, the pros of raising children in the city, raising families in the city, outweigh the cons. And, he, and I just want to just unpack a little bit of what he says, just to provoke you, maybe just send you that way to have a listen. But I just think, for me, it was very fresh, some of the things he was saying. And obviously, as a family ourselves, just speaking honestly, you know, we've obviously kind of hoped and longed for more and more families to join. And some have, and some have gone. And, um, and obviously, we want to keep pressing on to reach as many families as possible. But it was actually quite helpful a reflection. So the cons, what are the cons of living in the city? Well, number one, money. Life is very, very expensive, isn't it? Uh, especially things like rent and all the rest of it. I mean, I'm sure people you talk to about the rent you pay outside of London fall off their chairs and all of that, you know, and they're like, what? Say that again. Is that per month? No, per week. And all of that, okay? You know the conversations. Um, it's, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly expensive. And I think it's really important that we actually give that some thought and reflect on that a little bit, which we will do. Um, I think uh, physical logistics are, are tough raising a family in the sense that it's not that easy to just send them out to play and they'll be fine because everyone else is out playing on the same green outside the house because there is no green. You know, so it's, it's, there's a challenge there. There can also be a challenge um, around educational complexity. It can be a bit like, um, particularly around secondary schools, um, obviously we're looking at that with Daisy now. She starts secondary school in September and we're just looking at that and... Um, the schools either seem to be really good and really oversubscribed. Um, some of the ones we're going to, you know, they've got 150 spaces and 1,000 applicants. Um, and kids that have been being tutored and inputted 
and taught musical lessons since they were six months old, and they're going to get in. <laughs> you know, and then, and then the schools where everyone who doesn't get in send their kids to. And it can be a bit extreme, a little bit like that. It's a caricature, but it can be a bit like that. So these are some of the challenges you face in the city. Just a few years ahead of most of you trying to give you the heads up on that front. But what are the pros? Here are the pros that Tim Keller talks about. He makes that point about the cons. But then the pros, the good things he says are this. Uh, he says, first of all, what he did was he made mention of a, 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 what is it? a, a, research, a research survey a Christian did. He, he went to um, a Christian college and he surveyed a, a large amount of the young Christians there trying to find out, is there a common denominator uh, with children who are raised in Christians, Christian homes who themselves then embrace the Christian faith? Is there anything in common when you, when you find a load of Christians that have been brought up, brought up in Christian homes who have actually then personally embraced the Christian faith? Is there anything in common? And he looked at some things like family devotions, and apparently that, that proved to be irrelevant in terms of the proportionate statistics. Um, he looked at a number of other things that you'd think were really, really important, and, and they weren't. Um, youth group in church, that wasn't. The big deal apparently that came through was the, the young people who had embraced the Christian faith said this, it's... Um, we feel, this was, not everyone said it, but it was a thread. They, the one thing that was found was they said, we feel that our parents understood the real world. Really interesting. We feel like our parents got the world that we were living in, understood it, and were able to connect with us in that as, as believers. Which I thought was really, really intriguing. And then he makes a few points about um, city life. The, uh, he makes he says eight, eight positive things. The first thing is this. He says um, that kids growing up in the city think they live in the real world. Okay? So he sa- Keller says everywhere is the real world. We know that, don't we? But, you know, kids growing up, actually they think, if they're growing up in the city, that they're living in the real world. Um, which is actually... Um, Whereas often kids that are out, when they think about the city, it's all the glitz and all the romance and all this, that, and the other, and they have this kind of idealized view. Whereas kids growing up, they get the complexity of the city um, by osmosis, unconsciously, but they understand all the exciting bits, all the hard and tough and pressurizing bits too. So there's that, there's that thing. The other thing they would say is, is that actually kids tend to respect their parents more when they see their parents engaging in the real world around them that they consider to be the real world too. So they see the particular friends and uh, uh, their parents have and the rest of it, and they recognize, wow, actually this is the stuff I see on TV, and my, my parents have got friends who are, who are going through the same sort of stuff. And actually it, what it does is it undercuts self-righteousness in the kids who often think they know better than their parents. There's a respect for their parents that, that comes in as Christians. Respect, they respect them as Christians who are, who are engaging in the real world. The second thing he said. The, first, the third thing he said was this, is that children grow up more confident and self-reliant uh, if, they're, if they're in the city. And he said, remember the first time they moved to New York and they wanted to find their way around the subway and a family they knew said, oh, our, our son will show you, their son was seven. And he showed them around the subway in New York and they're like, wow, what's going on here? You know? and, and they also spoke, it was really funny, he spoke about school trips and um, the comment was this, um, when you ever take a, a bunch of school kids to Paris or Florence or whatever, you know, he said... Um, Generally speaking, it's fine because they get off the coach or the tube and they're totally terrified unless they're from New York. In which case, they'll step off and they'll go, yeah, I can figure this out and they'll just be off. And um, there is something about city life that tends to produce kids that are a bit more self-reliant and a bit more confident in a positive way. Uh, Fourthly, um, kids will grow up being able to handle diversity a lot better. 
for them, diversity will become normal. It's not just kind of like strange if they see someone with a different colored skin from them or a different background or different class. They're not in a homogenous environment. They're there where it's all thrown together. And as a result, they just get it. Again, they won't have probably analyzed it. It's just part of their fiber. They're not freaked out by different kinds of people. And um, I just think these are some really helpful things because I think probably we're often subconsciously subtly being told that it's better, it's better for our kids to be out, out in the greeneries. Um, and there are, there are positives to that, but it's, it's by no means a one-sided coin. Um, Keller also says this, that the city pulls families together. Just something about the proximity, everyone packed in, you end up having more face-to-face as families. So the commute tends to be less. Whereas often in the suburbs, you've got two hours or two hours back. If you work in the city, you just less time with the family. So you're pulled together. There's more interesting stuff to do together. It's just loads of stuff you can do, and you can do it together. And so you, it just ends up creating an in, uh, a positive intensity in terms of face-to-face time together. Um, this is a really interesting point. He says, kids that are brought, brought up in church in the city are in churches with people that they can envision being like. So kids that are brought up in churches which are f- basically full of um, just people like me, middle-aged, um, they'll look at and they'll go, Mm, nice guy. Don't really want to be like him. Yeah? Way too old. But to be in a church where Joel Bennett is, yeah, yeah, for Levi, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal, isn't it? Because he's cool. And look, he really means it when he listens to Jesus. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And to be, you know, the kind of, you know, all the kind of different people we've got in our church, the diversity, the kind of things people are into, hobbies-wise and works-wise. Actually, I'm, I'm really excited looking at my kids, and I'm seeing, especially Daisy now, who just seems to have gone, oop, socially. And uh, she's just off on a Sunday now. You know, who needs kids, man? She's got the adults she can just go and start conversation with. She, you know, she's, I mean, it's just amazing. She was at Gospel Community for the first half hour last night, loving it, totally engaged and involved. And I just think, wow, some of this is the fruit of just being around this and not just leaning into, um, I guess, the safety of a kids, kids club or, or, or a youth group in that sense. So there's, 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 I thought there's a really, really interesting point, especially when it gets to about 14, 15 years of age. Um, a, a child, a, a, someone that age, a teenager that age, will find it hard to relate to a 40-year-old, but you put them with a 22, 23-year-old that loves Jesus. Man, alive, they're in a room full of role models. So I thought that was very compelling. Um, um, it also helps, helps kids process the real world from a young age. They are faced with stuff that they probably wouldn't be, so obviously in the suburbs or in a rural setting. So they have to learn to face stuff, maybe when they're 13, 14, that normally they'd hit when they go to uni. Often you find kids from Christian homes spiral out of uni. Often it's because it's been, a, it's been quite sheltered before that. So they've got to face it sooner or later, but probably in a the city they'll face it when they hit probably year nine, year ten at school. Because they'll just be around a lot more of the world's uh, complex issues. Um, final one is this. They're, under, they're probably under less pressure to conform. Because to conform to what? There is no mould. Everyone does their thing in the city. Especially Camden. You know, what is there to conform to? I mean, it's, you know. So in that sense, the, the, very often the pressures to conform, kids aren't under. So as far as Keller's concerned, on the whole, cities and big cities are better places to raise kids. Which I just think is a monumental statement. I'm not going to argue it to, to the nth degree. I know there's another side, but I think very often that side is assumed and this side isn't. So I wanted to just say that um, and then out of that really just say, so what are the biggest challenges? Um, I think it's money and friendships are the biggest challenges. 
So I speak quickly on money, quickly on friendships. Number one, on money. The people, the, the, the parents in the school where we take our kids tend to be one of two things. Either affluent enough to be able to afford to rent or buy a house in this area that will be big enough for kids. Yeah? Or um, they live in social housing, live on um, local council estates. Well, hello. That's <laughs> fine. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you. So, so what you've got in the playground are extremes. There's really not much in the middle. Either really affluent, significantly affluent, or are able to live here and afford to live here because they're in a, in a council flat, which would, the rent would tend to be obviously often probably about, I would say, about five times cheaper than private, privately renting. And so the kind of middle class, the sort of lower middle classes, if you want to phrase it that way, you don't tend to find loads of that demographic in our area. Um, because, of the, because of the depleted housing stock as well, social housing, you won't just get a council flat. See, when I moved to London when I was 22, I applied for a council flat and got one. That is history now. It's ancient history now. Um, that won't happen now. So um, you're not going to get one. So the options basically are either key worker or earn well. If you're going to stay in London, medium to long term, these are the options. Key worker situation... The part buy option is great. There's not many around. The other option is earn well. Um, many of you are at the stage where you're aspiring and you're training, and that's great. But I want to say this. If and when you get married, if and when you have kids, you'll need to have given some thought as to how you're going to earn a decent wage, particularly if you don't want your children um, to be in childcare from 9 to 5 from an early age. If you think, actually, when we have kids, we, want, we, want to, we don't want to, our kids to be in full-time childcare, and both of us working, that's what you want. You've got to give big thought to this. You really do. Okay? I just want to say it to you now. I wish someone had said this to me when I was younger. You've got to pray about it, find faith from God, but also you've got to, you've got to, you've got to just have your head up to the situation and be awake to it. It's very, very important. Um, it is the age for entrepreneurs. It is. It's the age for small businesses. Whatever your political views we live in a moment which I think even within the recession it's probably a, 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 a positive time for people to start thinking about, okay, I wonder whether I could get a little something going. I would encourage that because um, that could be a significant, uh, a significant uh, attribute and asset for you in the future. So what I'm saying is this, don't be afraid of promotions, don't be afraid of good jobs, don't be afraid of making lots of money for the kingdom of God. Okay? Don't get funny around that. It's fine. Don't aspire to be rich because you'll fall into traps and snares. But don't worry about making money. If you're going to handle it in a godly way, if you're going to give into the kingdom, invest into the kingdom, and also be able to live somewhere where you feel God's called you. Okay, is that okay? Friendships. You have to be able to get your head around the fact that um, even if more of us do stick around than is average, which we may or may not, there will still be more transients in the church than you would get in a suburban setting or a rural setting. So that means for all of us, there will be seasons where our closest friends will move on and we'll have to replenish our friendships. Keller was saying he has to replenish his friendship every, friendships every seven years. Sounds really clinical. He's, he's, as he's reflected on it, he said, that's why I have, to, I have to make sure I'm investing in new friendships constantly because your friends move on. And I know some of you at the moment are actually in this phase. You're either friend, good friends are about to move on, I just have, and you're thinking, oh, wow, I didn't see this coming. Um, you know, and this, you know, I mean, just speaking personally, we had this with Dean and Donna. You know, we were heartbroken. And I know many of you were when they left. That for us, they would have been probably, you know, our closest 
friends that we would have just kind of hung out with and, and do nothing with. And it was like, oh, you know, and of course they're only a few miles away, but I guess, you know, people throw themselves into what they're doing. And uh, I, I just, I, I've, I've, we've had to wake up to it. And I want to just say to you guys, it's part of what we're going to have to build in a robustness in, inside of us. Um, I hope that many, many friendships can, that we can stay, many of us can stay locally here, but, but that, that may not be God's will. And in which case, let's just be ready to keep investing in friendships, which does become probably a bit harder as you get older, because you've got to go again emotionally and, um, and explore that. It's funny, Kelly was funny, he was saying it's really mysterious, good friendship. He said it's more mysterious than romance. He said you just could not really work out who, you, who, who you're going to be good friends with and how that's going to work. It just kind of happens how it happens, but um, you have to trust God. Um, in that, so don't get stuck in time. Don't get stuck in the past. Don't, it's part of the city life. God wants to help us in that. So the conclusions are this: Don't be afraid of having good jobs, being promoted, making money for the kingdom, um, and uh, don't, and also prepare to replenish friendships and to just be able to constantly keep doing that and don't lose heart in doing that. Obviously, I'm not saying that when someone moves out, you lose a friendship. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that in terms of knocking about with people day day in day out. That dynamic changes at that point. So what I'm doing now is just trying to get you guys to um, start thinking about, okay, maybe, you know, do, do, we, do I want to be here medium to long term? If so, what does that mean and what are the implications of that? Okay, that's my kind of spiel done. Any questions on that, Andy? That's great. So the comment is about, um, we all heard, but for the people who aren't here tonight. So um, school and kids, maybe being in schools with a higher percentage of kids with more difficult backgrounds and a hand in that and making sure that your kids become influencers and not the influenced. What I would say to that is, is that that is definitely a challenge. But I would say in another way, if you imagine a scenario that was very, very different, a classroom filled with kids who didn't have that, I would say that potentially they are under the influence, a very different influence but actually, it's just as worldly. So it's not a. So I think you. We mustn't fall under the guise of thinking if kids are well behaved, then everything's okay. We want kingdom kids. So whatever setting you're in, you're having to make sure that your kids aren't being influenced by the world and worldly values, and that you actually you're you're inputting and investing in them. So it may make you up your game a bit. You may feel the urgency a bit more if things are a bit more extreme. But that can only be a positive thing and keep you from complacency as a parent. So I don't think that I don't think that that is a negative thing. Yeah, Dave. <laughs> Doomed. I love that. Doomed. Yes. Yeah. 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 What happens to those who do want to stay but on a, on a middle income? I think at the end of the day, all of us have to find faith in God. Fundamentally, that is it. I've, but I think what I'm saying is, is I think in the past, I would have looked on the approach of 
um, getting a good job and making good money and that sort of thing as a, maybe a bit worldly or that's that kind of idea. And I, I think I just didn't want to say, I wish someone had said to me, no, not at all. Actually, there's nothing worldly about it as long as your heart is for the kingdom of God and you're seeking God and his kingdom first. So I think all I'm saying is you've got to, wherever you're at, you've got to find faith and you've got to find a way through. Um, but give thought to it, work it out, and um, don't bury your head in the sand. That, you know, that is not responsible and it's not godly. So don't, that, I think that's probably the heart of what I'm saying. Don't bury your head in the sand. We've got to wake up to the, to the real issues. So, okay, make two now. So stuff like wealth distribution among the church and sharing with one another to help each other out and that kind of thing. What does that look like? I think, I think that works in the micro. So I'm going through a tough time. Someone knows about it. They bless me or vice versa. In the macro, I think it can work. But I think probably at that point, you're probably going to need some people in the church that are earning big bucks. You know, to really be able to offset macro problems, you need macro money. So I think as long as you've got as long as you've got situations like that, then it's then it's doable, and, and I think it's absolutely a kingdom thing, and we sh- really should not be closed off to that at all. I don't know that you can orchestrate that from HQ necessarily. I think you can preach generosity, you can preach relationship, and then when you've got two people that are friends, and one's earning you know 150 grand a year, and the other one's earning I don't know not a bad you know decent wage under 30 grand a year, but got a big family and, and finding it hard, then hopefully you've preached the gospel. Uh, strong enough for people to get it and spot it and say, "Hey, look! Why don't I give you, why don't I give you twenty grand a year for the next five years? That'd be fun." Yeah, and for people to just say, "Yeah, high five and get on with it." I don't. There's, there is no reason why that shouldn't happen in the church. There is absolutely no reason why that shouldn't happen in church. So I think, yeah, totally. You know, um, let's 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 do it. Yeah, easy for me to say, isn't it? Yeah, I know. <laughs> McCormick. How can you prepare yourself if you haven't, you've got children but you'd love a family, you'd love to be in London? How can you prepare yourself in terms of thinking how much do you need? I would imagine probably a safe thing to say is, is that um, as you're thinking medium to long term, probably about £100, about, about £100 a week uh, per person rent. So probably what you're experiencing now, but just multiply it by the amount of kids you're going to have to some, to some extent. That's, that seems to be the way it goes, roughly. Um, also, I would say that people's expectations and standards of living are so different. So different. So you've got to know yourself. What am I, what am I willing and happy to do? What can, I, what can I do? Some people can... I know of a family, and they're in a small two-bedroom flat. Um, there's four of them in a small two-bedroom flat. Totally content. Totally fine. 
Um, I know others. I, I know their I know their Christian friends that are saying, "When are you going to When are you going to move?" Because they're looking on, thinking, "How can you do that?" Now, no one's right or wrong, but I just think you've got to know in your heart what what is okay for me, and uh, and what, what isn't. And so I would say, you know, when when I look at people, uh, you know, just people, it's very interesting, you know, because obviously I get exposed to lots of different people in the church, and you just realise, wow, your expectations for finance are there, yours are there, standard of living there, there, and it's just all all kinds of factors come into play with it, and it's not like anyone's being ungodly. It's just all kinds of factors. So just know yourself and know what you're what you're up for. But I think if you was to say, you know, if you if you was to, I don't know, I mean, for. There will be people in the church, there will be people here, and you would, have, you would have grown up sharing your bedroom with three or four siblings. And it was great. And you would gladly do it the same way. That would be fine. There was others of you, you've never known what it is to share a room with your siblings. You had your own wallpaper and your own everything from, from day one. And you're just thinking that's the way it's going to be. You've just got to work that out. And I would also say that, particularly as married couples, you've got to work that out as well because that can cause tension. So, you know, let's get a bed sit. And now there's six kids. And the other one's going, what are you talking about? Do you know what? You've got to work that thing through. So, um, yeah, that's the best I can do for now. One more. Chris. Full-time pastors. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I, I've noticed that. We've struggled at school because socially, because we don't fit there. And at, actually, we do, we, our background is council estate. But because we've been in church culture for so many years, which is mostly middle class, the council estate people aren't quite sure if we fit with them. So we've floated a bit, you know, we're doing all right, we're getting there, but it's not been a natural fit one way or the other. Um, yeah, I, I, but I, I, um, so yeah, so we're here and that's great and that's fine, um, but the reason I can afford to live here is because the church supports me to live here. So if, if that were to change... Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You don't. No, you don't have to be. But I think, I think that you need to be able... But I guess the church... We don't get paid a massive wage, but the church obviously pays for the rent on the house, which is the big deal. That's the massive deal. So, and also, yeah, we, you know, so with things like not having a car and stuff like that, a lot, a lot of families would just find that really hard. So, there, again, there are just decisions that you have to make. But it can be done. It can be done. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for that, Chris. Okay. I hope it helped. I mean, that's a bit of a just... I know I'm just sort of stirring things up, really. And I probably just left loads of stuff up in the air... I don't mind. That's fine. I just want you guys to give this stuff some thought because I'd love us to be able to really do something amazing in the next 20 to 50 years together. Okay. Uh, Sorry. I shall mop up the pieces. Was that a welcome or a thanks for Steph? Is that a welcome to me? (laughs) He's off. All right, um, so just to pick up a bit on what Steph said. Uh, firstly, just as he was talking, if you, if you are someone who's got business ideas or has an entrepreneurial spirit, then please, um, if you don't want anything to do with it, then come speak to me. Um, I'm self-employed, and I used to be a small business advisor, so it's something that I'm passionate about. Or the Greggs, I know, you know, I've got lots of talents in helping develop ideas. And I'm sure there's lots of other people, but um, 
if you've got an idea that you just would love to talk through, then uh, come come tell me, and I'll, I'll either farm you off someone else, or, or I'll, I'll, I'd love to discuss it with you. Um, secondly, because of the transient nature that Steph was talking about, I think it, uh, from a friendship perspective, it's also important for us to um, recognise that those people that are here, even if they're here temporarily, also need a home, you know, even if it's, if it's for a short period of time. And I don't know about you, but like last Sunday, I looked around the church and I thought, wow, we are filling this place. You know, there was we were running out of seats and there was close to 200 people in there and you know the church is growing which is fantastic which is you know what we've been praying for um at the same time that means that there's going to be new faces in there quite regularly and people who you know just sneak in the back and and sit down and don't know everyone here and um i I want to first of all encourage those of you that are church members to um be prepared to be disrupted in a good way in your friendships and in your groups and um, to, to think back to the time when you first came to the church when it is quite scary um, because I think we, we quite quickly, you know, fall into to little groups and um, that's nice, you know, we've, we, it's good to make friendships, they're important. But um, please don't forget when you see those people, you know, when we have the five minutes after the notices to go and meet someone you haven't seen before, we do actually mean it. Go, go up and um, speak to someone you haven't met before. And if there's someone that you look across the room and you think, actually, I don't know your name, um, please go and ask them. Because it can also be an incredibly lonely place, London, as well as being vibrant and exciting and full of opportunities. It is. Um, but also it can be a place that's quite scary. And if you're away from home for the first time or if you don't know anyone... Um, so please be, uh, continue to be a welcoming church. That's, that's what first drew me to Rev, you know, that we came and we felt like we could be at home very, very quickly. You know, Natalie's from overseas. I'm from Leicester. <laughs> so it's practically overseas. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, it was just really important to feel welcomed quickly, you know, and I think it's amazing how God can come upon friendships and you can meet people who then you feel like you've known for years. And, um, develop some really meaningful and, and fruitful relationships. So please uh, continue to be, have your eyes open for people as they arrive. Um, be proactive, church, in reaching out to them and inviting them and to tell them what you're doing after church or before church or at the weekends. Tell them about gospel communities. Tell them about what we do as a church. Uh, encourage them to get up at 7 a.m. and come to the prayer meeting with you. <laughs> All of you. Come along. <laughs> because you love getting up. Um, and likewise, if, you, if, if any of you here are feeling like you, know, you are still new-ish or feeling a bit on the fringe, then I would also encourage you to get involved as much as you can. Um, so to come along to prayer meetings, to come along a bit before 3.30 on a Sunday and you know, get to talk to people and um, introduce yourselves. And if you see a group of people, please don't be afraid to go and interu- interrupt them and, and um, introduce yourselves to them. If you either say Dave, Dan, or Sarah, you'll probably meet someone of those names <laughs> in the church. Just, just three. Just learn those three, and you'll, you'll be all right. Simon, Steph, Rich, we'll be, we're quite friendly. Um, so, yeah, do, do get as much involved as you can. And um, serving is a great way as well. I know when I first joined the church, that was what uh, Steph encouraged me to do. <laughs> and, yeah, every single week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, 
at the time it was just like everyone was serving on everything so it was quite intense but um, that is a really good way of getting to know people and new people as well so if you're not serving you know whilst it's nice to have you serving it's also a great way to, to get involved and to feel connected you people who aren't here who are listening please do um, and lastly uh, gospel communities obviously we're, we're kind of plugging it as a way of uh, a reach out into the communities it's missional it's um giving us community individually as well um i think some people are still viewing it as as a potential add-on to church life and to sundays i would argue that actually in, in getting involved and feeling part of it it's probably a real primary function you know sundays we all get together but it's quite involved and hectic and we don't always get time for conversations and um, gospel communities are really providing that forum where we can get connected and know people and, and understand their lives a little bit and um, fit in a bit more. And so if you've not found your way into one, please um, think about it. You know, it, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. So if you want to just come and try some out, then do it and see what they're like and feel free to move around until you've found somewhere that works well for you. But it is an integral part of Revelation Church. And um, I think that would be a quick route in for you to find you know, find a family. And so, um, and that, I guess that's to everybody here who is thinking about a gospel community, do it, it's good. And um, we're going to hear a little bit more shortly about the gospel communities and what's going on. So if you're not in one, make some steps to, to thinking about joining one, I would recommend. Um, any questions at all? Okay, good. I'm going to hand over to Rich, who's going to um, talk us a bit more about gospel communities. Um, yeah, so gospel communities are great. Um, gospel communities are, really are keys into communities in terms of unlocking communities. Um, we've had prophetic words about that to us as a church. Um, and actually, gospel communities are what expose us to the wider communities around us. Um, and if you, are, if, if you are involved in a gospel community and you have a particular testimony that you think has been amazing or something that God's done um, and just opened like amazing doors um, or just um, something really inspiring, um, then I want you to put your thinking cap on and just start mulling it over and start thinking to yourself whether that is you. Um, in the meantime, um, where's Dave Smith? Why don't you come up and share a couple of testimonies? Cool. Welcome to Queen's Crescent. Um, eight months ago, uh, no one lived in this specific area um, n- at all. Well, no, yeah, it was completely empty. <laughs> bad start, bad start. There were people here. Okay. No one from Revelation Church lived in this specific area um, eight months ago. Now there's several houses, um, three of them being on the actual estate blocks just over there, which is great. Um, and we meet just to love God, love each other, love the Crescent. Just a real simple vision. Um, and specifically, I want to tell you what happened at Christmas, really. Um, after the preach by that guy from Wimbledon, which I can't remember his name, Fillmore. After Fillmore preached, I went and chatted to him and said, how do I get to know my neighbours? And he said when he moved into places, he'd go and knock on all the, his initial neighbours' doors and invite them over at Christmas for mulled wine and mince pies. So we tried to really plug that as a gospel community. Um, so we went to Luke and Sarah Ellis's house, and they did that, and um, we got to meet some of their neighbours who came over. 
Um, uh, Lisa and I did it as well, and we probably had about, I can't even remember, six or seven flats come over for hours on end, and we drank a lot of mulled wine, which was great. And the Days did it as well, and they had about 10 people from various flats over as well. And since then, it's just been great. I mean, we had a woman knock on our door today. It's Chinese New Year, and she gave me a plate of Chinese, which was lovely. Yeah, yeah, it was good, didn't it? <laughs> so we've had just, just times like that, Luke and Sarah, just from walking from Luke and Sarah's um, top flat to, to downstairs, they often get invited into someone's flat. Um, there's a guy called Olu who lives next door with his family. And if Luke and Sarah are leaving, Olu would just walk straight into Luke and Sarah's flat and sit down and just chat to them. And it's just really lovely that actually by putting that little bit of effort in, which is all it is, you automatically stand out from everyone else that isn't putting the effort in. Um, and plus we love Jesus, which is even better. And just these wonderful opportunities to just get to know some people. So just as a group, it's exciting that we're looking to do some cap work, food bank work in the area. Um, there's an old people's home about one minute walk that way and I chatted to the manager there and we're going to team up with the medical gospel community group to do some volunteering there as well. So it's all systems go. It's going amazingly well and if you are not in a gospel community, (laughs) feel free to talk to me. Cool. Shameless plug. Brilliant. Ollie. Hello. Um, <laughs> um, speaking of uh, living in the city, this, was, this year was my first uh, Christmas in central London. I've had many Christmases on the leafy suburbs, but first in central London. And uh, it didn't start too well. I was dressed as Santa Claus, and Father Christmas, sorry, uh, and I was walking along the road, and I was ca- actually carrying a, a, a turkey, and a, chi- <laughs> and a child ran at me like, Santa! And um, and his pet and I looked up at the parents and said Merry Christmas. They just looked at me like this. <laughs> and I said I said Happy Christmas to four people on the way and um, and all but one looked at me like <laughs> like just like you're you know you're dressed like Santa you're an idiot. But um, anyway, we had a Christmas meal on St Pancras Square Estate and we cooked for about how many people did we cook for, Lena? Yeah, 35. Um, and we'd, we'd been around the estate, uh, the estate and kind of flyered and, and lots of people said they were coming and, and lots of people did come. And so it was really, really good. Um, to our surprise, the, major- the average height of the person that came was about this tall. So it was mostly like herding, you know, kind of keeping them in. But um, there, were about, there were about five or six adults that came along, one of whom uh, actually came through CAP. And he clearly was going to be on his own during the day. And he came along and um, all of us, I think, throughout the day kind of uh, spoke with him and, and, um, and got talking about Jesus, that kind of thing. And, and, and he stayed right to the end. He stayed for the whole time. And it was just, he, it was, clearly, it meant a lot to him, not only to be around other people, but to be around kids as well. It was, uh, so, yeah, it was great. And, and we did a, uh, well, Mike Tuno and Jules did an incredible rendition of the Nativity story. Um, uh, I think, was it like West Co- Yeah, plastic vodka. Yeah, it's probably very heretical. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, generally it was really, really good. And uh, yeah, that's the summary. Fantastic.
So these, these GCs are transforming the communities that they're a part of. Now, is there anybody that while those guys were talking, you, the cogs were going and you were just like, I've just got to tell someone this. It's so inspiring. Everyone's going to love it. Dave White, go on. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, basically, like, just back in September, it was kind of like me, Seven Dave, sat down, and I'm just like, where are we going with this? Uh, we're obviously... Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and just kind of like, we're just armed with some flyers and just kind of a vision, really, and we kind of just found God's blessed at this term, so Dave's just going to say a couple of things. Yeah, so yeah, we were sitting there with absolutely nothing. Like I say, we had these fancy flyers, and we were very proud of them, but that was it. And so we're now start of the second term, and we're looking back, and the way we decided to do it was to run an event every other week, inviting international students along to share a meal, because we all like food, and we've had some good food. It's been amazing. Particularly doing a bring and share. Get international people to do a bring and share. You're sorted with dinner for the rest of the re- week, really, with leftovers. Well, Seb was, at least. Um, <laughs> then you know Seb doesn't waste anything, so... <laughs> But so we've run these events every other week, and I think we've had about 14 different international students come along over the term. Loads of them have come along more than once, and each week then we have a short sort of God slot talk towards the end, and then discussion. And it's just been amazing to see how open people have been, and just keep coming back, and just, they're just really seeing the way we open sort of, or Seb's house for them. And it's just, they're so grateful. Many of them are new to London. And just seeing that warmth, which they're not getting from other groups. So, and just, yeah, other people in the city. So, yeah, it's been really exciting. We're looking forward to the next term ahead, seeing what else and seeing how it's going to grow and more coming along and probably some more good food, I imagine. Um, and also, we are still looking for more people to join us. So if, you, uh, if it's something you might like to get interested in, then come and chat to either me or Dave. I've been told to say where I'm from. I'm from Worthing. No joke. Uh, Maiden Lane Gospel Community. Yeah. Uh, three very quick updates. I just want to give glory and testimony to God, really. Um, firstly, uh, in November, we actually had a week of prayer as a gospel community. And it was just such a great time. And I want to encourage you all um, in gospel communities to think about doing similar. God really spoke to us about various things. You know, he spoke to us through Ezekiel 37 about, you know, we see dry bones, but he sees an army and gave us real faith um, to just to go out and see things done for the kingdom, see his kingdom advanced. And it's been great. So sort of November, December, January time, we've seen a couple of real breakthroughs, one of which has been, many of you know, on Fridays we go out to the estate and do outreach, and we often play football with lots of the teenagers and some of the kids, and even some of the parents now come along as well, which is great. But at half-time, over the last couple of months, we've been doing like a, a God slot, so we'll have maybe, so last Friday, the Friday before last, we had about 20 teenagers on the pitch. Um, they all knew that at half time we're going to sit down in the center circle and listen to Dan preach the gospel. <laughs> um, and it's been amazing. They're all silent. You could hear a needle drop, literally. And they're, they're listening, lapping in, often having great conversations afterwards. Um, so that's real testimony and really encouraging. I think it's partly off a, the springboard of just seeking God together, praying and calling on God. And lastly, um, 
It's really exciting. So on the estate, on two or three occasions, we've actually seen God break out and heal some of the teenagers. Um, so three teenage guys we've seen healed from a stomach ache, uh, a really bad ankle, and some leg pain as well. Um, so we've seen healings on the estate, and God's bringing his kingdom. It's really exciting. Great. Yes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've got a testimony. I thought, oh, I've got to say this. Um, so Rich and I are a part of the prisons gospel community, which is very exciting. <laughs> yes, Jason, we love you. Um, so before Christmas, we, we did a prayer walk around Holloway Prison and Pentonville Prison. Um, and God just gave us lots of pictures for what he was going to do and how he was going to use us. Um, so we had a picture of just God being the muscle behind what we're doing and it's kind of not in our strength and things like that on that prayer walk we we met a guy on the street and we were like you know god we feel like god wants us to pray for you and he immediately had things that he wanted us to pray for which was amazing so we got to pray for him in the street um and then uh just praise god for other churches as well that have just been in london for so long doing this sort of thing so we've um had a training day with um htb um, which was amazing. So we're sort of partnering with them in Pentonville. And so Rich and I sent off our application not too long ago to, to help them out with their Sunday morning. Um, and, you know, literally a week later, they just came and said, yep, we want you on board. Can you come this Sunday? So we're going in the prison for the first time this Sunday, um, which is just amazing. And um, the reason why it's just such a testimony is because I guess we're like, oh, man, we've got to do, how are we going to get in there? How are we going to get there? And it's like God's just opening doors. And then recently, Holloway, which is notoriously really difficult to get in, um, we've had someone come and request that, you know, some of us come play with the kids that come into the prisons um, to, to visit people, whatever. So it's another door. So praise God for what he's doing. Hello, I'm also from Maiden Lane. But um, woo! Um, many of you know that um, Claire, Tooley and I have been trying to get a house on the estate for a while. Um, but uh, today, amazingly, after Mac Tuna had a word and a picture for us at the prayer meeting, um, I just thought, let's try some doors. So I rang up a guy intending to uh, try and persuade him to rent us his whole house, although he'd only advertised a room. But um, I thought, you know, let's ask. So I rang him. He um, told me to speak to his partner. So I rang her and um, she was like, oh, I'm really sorry. The room's already gone. Um, are you the people who work on the estate? So I was like, well, you know, we do youth work. Um, and told her what it was. And she asked all about it. And I was like, yeah, we, you know, we tell the kids about Jesus. And we're Christians. And we really want to see positive stuff happen on the estate. And she was like, oh, yeah, I'm, so, I'm really with you guys. If you, if you ever need anyone to come and give art workshops, um, I'll do it free of charge. Just let me know. If you go out on, on Fridays... Let me know where you are. Um, keep my number. Give me a ring. She was like, I'm going to bring my kids. I'd love to meet you guys and get involved. And if you're short of anyone on Friday night to go out, give me a ring. <laughs> I was like, okay, um, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> but um, it's just amazing because obviously we don't have that house, but um, God's just used that to like, give us more and more bridges. So, um, yeah, we know that big things are going to happen. And uh, we're just amazed by that. Brilliant.
the, the reality is there's space in all the gospel communities. Um, so if you've heard something from a testimony of one of the ones that wasn't, um, uh, of one of the guys that was up here and you want to get involved, um, then just go speak to that person. Um, I'm going to do something very brave now and I'm going to try and list all of the gospel communities because um, they all have space and they're all looking for people to come and partner with them and do community and um, like really see the kingdom of God break in. So there is Queen's Crescent. Is that, is that right, Dave? <laughs> Queen's Crescent, um, St. Pancras Way, Maiden Lane, The Arts, yeah! Excited, Prisons, yeah! Food Bank, Internationals, yeah! Asylum Seekers and Refugees, and there's, there's one more about to come. So I'm gonna no. So I'm gonna hand over to Simon at this point. Is that right? You're you're giving me eyes for some reason. Have I done something wrong? I've just killed it. I've killed it. Family meeting over. I'll see you later. So at this point, I'm gonna hand over to Sai, who's got some very exciting news. Simon. Ah, oh, we're gonna have a baby. Yeah. No, we are. We're having a baby. But um, um, we've got that was. Eight. Eight. <laughs> um, we have a ninth, the health and mental health gospel community that has been unofficially... <laughs> that's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's been unofficially going along, and um, this is the official launch. Yes, yeah. Um, so, uh, what we'd like to do is firstly have asked um, Chris just to tell us a little bit around um, the vision for the gospel community and, and how it's come about. And um, Alex is unfortunately not here, I don't think. Oh, he's, he's here. Alex is here. Yeah, Alex, Alex is going to come and join him, aren't you? Yeah, good. And um, then we'd love to get those who have already made the commitment to join that gospel community to come and join these guys. And uh, we'd love to pray for you. Um, so, Chris and Alex, if you want to come up and tell us a bit about what's on your heart, please. Well, so, health and mental health is a long name, but you're going to have to deal with that. Um, this gospel community is officially launching tonight, but we already have quite a lot of members. Generally, it's about 12 people are coming along quite, uh, quite regularly. Fundamentally, I'm just going to give you kind of key things that make this one unique. So obviously, all gospel communities have similar attributes. Um, they're kind of a given. If you don't know about those, then we can talk about those afterwards. But this one is for people that are passionate about what the kingdom of God means for those that are unwell mentally, physically, and by extension, spiritually. Um, I can outline why this is important, but you'll have to ask me afterwards because I figure you already realize it is. Fundamental aims are to equip people in the areas of healing and care, to bring the good news that God is healer and his kingdom is among us to those inside and outside the church in word, deed, and spirit. And finally, to care for those within the gospel community through friendship, prayer, and the breaking of bread. Yeah. 
I don't have any notes. This is brilliant. Um, so what we've done so far, we started meeting just after the last family meeting. So we kind of missed the launch of everyone else's. But that's been kind of good. Um, I'm not sure why, but it has been good. Um, we've, we've been meeting kind of every roughly two weeks and gathering people and just sort of spending time together. We had a Christmas meal. That was lovely. Uh, that was really nice. Um, it tasted good too. And then, yeah, stuff's been going on. We've been going through a book, tackling sort of deep, big healing questions, like why do some people seem not to get healed when you pray and all sorts of stuff like that. And we're trying to tackle the big issues. Um, this week, um, I haven't told you this, actually last week, time we met, which is two weeks ago, um, we prayed for Steph in his neck, um, which was very painful at the time. And um, he told us yesterday that he woke up sort of the next morning and found that the pain had gone. He didn't know we'd been praying for him. Um, and then, you know, Davina just sort of said, oh, we were praying for you last night. So, yes, we're starting to see healings um, happen. It's all very exciting. And, yeah, we're going to meet up more and hopefully have people come in and go out and do some healing and all sorts of excitement. So join us. All right, so if... Um you have already committed to join this gospel community. Could you please come and stand with the guys? Everybody else, um, when, when these people have come up, um, if you can like, step away from the wall, please. Step away. Come, come, come here a little bit. There's some... Are you recruiting now or are you, you are part of it? Okay, good. Right. Cool. All right. Um, this is where you all take part. We'd love to pray for these guys. So if we can, um, in, in true Rev style, gather around these guys, we can all pray together and then I'll, I'll pray at the end. But um, let's just pray. As you're praying, I just feel God's going to give people some pictures or some words to speak over these guys. So if, if that's you and you've got something, it'd be really great if you can just come and grab the mic off me so we can all hear you, but also so that we can record it for these guys. So keep praying. And I just think there's going to be some words that come for these, for these guys particularly. Um, had a picture of something, something I used to do when I was a kid. I used to draw a squiggle, 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 and just keep drawing in a big squiggle. And then I used to colour in all the different bits in different colours. So it's quite strange. Um, uh, I just had this sense of, of chaos. And then the picture changed to these different colours being then grouped together and order being brought to the chaos. And I felt there was a commissioning for you to bring order to chaos that there's people who, that it's chaos of the minds and chaos in lives and you are commissioned to bring order there, to be heralds of, of God bringing order into those lives. And I, I think God would ask you just to seek, to seek him for real breakthrough in finding those people, to reach those people who, who are just in complete chaos and need God to come and bring order and come and bring peace. Lord, we ask you, Holy Spirit, would you would come and anoint them. Holy Spirit, we ask for your hand on them. Holy Spirit, we ask for more of you. Come and be anointing them now. Come and be bringing them strength. Amen. Yeah, just um, got reminded of Joshua and Jericho. And um, just saw the wall. And I just kind of had the sense of God saying to me that, people's minds feel like they're walled up, blocked in. And uh, you're going to be like Joshua's army in terms of marching round and 
the walls coming down in people's minds and hearts and stuff. And I'll just get the sense of God saying, no, I'm with you. I'm leading you. And I just want you to listen to my voice, obey me, and then I will lead you into the right things. And people will be set free. Walls will come down because I've defeated everything at the cross. It was finished. And I want to know that I'm with you. I've brought you to this. It is my plan. It is my will. And I am with you. But walls will come down. Walls which have gripped people for ages in depression and uh, mindsets of things where doctors said it is, it is impossible to do it. I will do it. I will, I will, bring, I will bring freedom. I will bring freedom from, from those sorts of things. I want you to know that because I've defeated everything at the cross. I'm the risen saviour lord jesus i pray please would you be with these guys lord as they go and do these things god would there would it be like the sense of uh, the sail with them the holy spirit amongst them god would they know the power of the holy spirit god would you come by your spirit and fall upon them in a new way would they know that god is with them who can be against them god is for them lord jesus would you come and do an amazing thing with this gospel community would there be wonderful testimonies of people being saved set free from various different things, God, where they can walk in the freedom in Christ. I pray, God, would people be baptized and saved and added into your kingdom? I pray, would you do an amazing thing in, with these guys? Lord, I pray, please be amongst them, God. Would they, as they meet together and study, I pray, would it be like the glory of God is in the room? I pray, Lord Jesus, I ask that in your name. Amen. Yeah, I just saw um, two words just like really bright in my head and um, it's intercession and compassion and I just really want to pray them through for you guys. So yeah, I just, I thank you Jesus for um, your compassion, Lord God, that's what drove you in praying, Lord God, for for those that needed healing, the lost, Lord, those um, who you just cared about so much, Lord. And I just, I ask Lord God for a heart of compassion in each person this gospel community i pray lord god that um there would just be a real anointing in their times of prayer and intercession that um as they come before you and as they come in your presence that they will go out just totally filled up with your presence and full of your compassion um, as they go out people will see your compassion and i pray for a real anointing that as they pray for people pray for healing and pray for those that are lost and hurting lord god i just ask that um yeah that as they just overflow with your love and compassion that, and, and your anointing lord god i pray that um, amazing things will be done for your glory lord jesus Yeah, guys, I had this um, picture as uh, as the two comedians were sharing about the uh, what the gospel community is about, and um, it was basically your gospel community all huddled together, um, and there was just loads of bandages wrapped around all of you. And as the bandages were going round, they were kind of they were they were making you guys get closer and closer together. Um, and then God reminded me of a verse in Ezekiel thirty four, and it says, "I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down," declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. And it's like I felt God saying that there's going to be a a binding that he does 
around you guys and to people who are going to be around you that will bring them close to the kingdom, that will bring them close to you guys. And actually also something that he wants to do, not only does he want to bring healing, but he wants to strengthen the weak through you. And that there'll be lots of weak people that you find physically, but also emotionally, spiritually, mentally. And he wants you guys to minister strength to the weak as well. That is on his heart. It's central to who he is and what he's about. And he'd encourage you to strengthen the weak as well as you binding up the brokenhearted. And that as you do that, he'll bring them close to you. And he'll, you'll see lives transformed, literally transformed through the binding that Jesus does. Yeah, I've just got this um, phrase, where, where there's no hope, there is God. And I just feel that there's this amazing opportunity. And I know it's happened in, in other places in the world where um, just at, at, like that you guys would be known as a place in a future where actually doctors would send patients to you when there is no hope. Um, this time last year, my auntie-in-law was told to um, go and get ready to die because she had cancer and chemotherapy hadn't worked so she sold her house and um she's still alive today and um just she's been completely healed um just through prayer really for for healing and i just i just yeah i just want to pray over you guys the same thing really and yeah i got i pray that there would be a massive impact in this um, in co- community in this part of North London that actually where there is no hope, people would say, oh, but there is God. And that there would be um, just a kind of backlog of testimony after testimony from small to big where, where doctors say, do you know, doctors end up saying, well, look, there's no hope, but there is God and, and there is this God's community group and they will pray for you. And I, I just, God, I pray for amazing um, testimonies over the years, Lord, that actually there'll be an amazing consistency built up where actually non-Christians, this is, this is their door into, um, into church and into to you. And actually that their first taste of Jesus would be by seeing um, his miraculous work, Lord. So I just pray that now would be the start of that and that in years to come, Lord, this would be a place where just many people come to know Jesus through. Amen. And I just feel Jesus um, wants to say that he's given you authority um, and to not take that lightly. Um, the authority of Jesus is so powerful and you've got the power to call down the reign of heaven. And so I just pray, Jesus, um, would you anoint them afresh with your authority? And I pray, Jesus, that when they speak, they would call down the reign of heaven. And we just say, Jesus, let the dead be raised I pray, Jesus, that the lame would walk and the blind would see. And Jesus, we know there is such great power in your name. So I pray that wherever they go, Jesus, they would bring your kingdom. Jesus, would your kingdom come? I pray that demons would flee. Jesus, I pray we pray that you would fill them with faith. Jesus, and um, we just say, let amazing things happen, Jesus, more than we could ever imagine. Jesus, your kingdom come. Amen. All right, let's just um, close this in prayer. Lord, I thank you. I'm excited by hearing all of this. I thank you that this is just a scratch of what the plans that you have, Lord. I pray for these guys that you would just give them kingdom vision, Lord, that as they go about dreaming and envisioning all that you've got, as they go about meeting people, Lord, that they will see things from your perspective, that they will see through the eyes of the God of the possible, through our creator, through the healer, through the God of all power. Lord, we just pray for such an anointing and blessing and favor on them as they go, Lord, that you would just 
Give them a joy, Lord, as they go around these people that have heaviness. We pray that you would just spread your lightness as they go, that there'd be such uh, truth of the gospel at the forefront of whatever they do, Lord, and that there'd be such transformation um, because of because of what you've done on the cross, Jesus, because you're the God who just loves to change lives and to restore and renew. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for these guys. Just bless them. Um, just quickly, let's just give God a quick prayer of thanks for all of these exciting stories that we've just heard. Thank you, Jesus. Well, time is really racing, guys, so um, we've got to really fly. We're going to speed things up now just to say... Um, just to say, kind of a little bit predictable, but changes here to stay uh, is the phrase. And um, so just say we're in the process of working with a few more people towards um, becoming deacons, just um, people going through kind of a godly kind of period of testing that the Bible talks about. And um, uh, because we're just very aware that if we're going to manage the growth God's given, every every kind of tier of leadership, if you like, needs to grow. So always looking for God to raise up more elders looking to develop more deacons, and within that as well, from March, we're going to be starting a membership uh, course, um, and the way we'll work is it, we'll do a six-week membership course, we'll do it as a rolling program, so it will just be running, I, get, I think the plan is to run it from the beginning of March through at this, to the end of the year, and hopefully that will give everyone a chance throughout this year to be able to get to the six, the six separate things, just where we get a chance to talk about core values, big deals for Revelation Church, and then um, out of that, um, everyone who uh, wants to be a member will just get a chance to sit down with um, sit down with one of the elders in the church and just talk things through one on one or one with a couple or something like that and just make sure we're on the same page and that we're we're, we're firing together and um, I, I'd love to do Q and A on it because I recognise you know it kind of like well membership I thought we were kind of what's that about aren't we kind of all in it anyway and that, I, get, I get all of that um, I was just kind of a very concise way of putting it is that it's really really helpful when you are an elder, to know who you are responsible before Jesus for. Because Sunday is just a meeting anyone can come to. It's a public meeting. Anyone can come to it. So in that sense, um, it's just, you know, it's in, in Bible times, there would have been one church probably per city or something like that. And so if you're in the church, you're in that church. That is churches everywhere. And obviously you get all kinds of all kinds of characters and things going on. So it just makes for a slightly safer kind of situation. And um, so it's not a heavy thing, but it's just probably a good positive thing for us. So we'll be working through that from uh, mid-March this year through to the end of the year. I just wanted to say that. So don't be surprised if, you know, more people are put forward for deacons and all the rest of it and the membership thing. We just wanted to give you the heads up on that. Details to follow over to the Kids Club gang. Yeah, is that Lena? Come on, Lena and Dan. Lena and Dan. Okay, Hazel was going to come, but after reading the Rev Weekly, said that I should come instead. Um, Basically, as you are aware, I'm sure actually the parents are very aware, we have amazing kids' work on a Sunday. Um, I, as a parent, just am overwhelmed. Um, and blessed by the kids' work and the kids, kids workers. Um, so, we, so basically we met up with Steph and kids workers a while ago and talked about um, just how amazing the kids' work is, amazing teaching, amazing just people who serve, everything just amazing. Um, and the fact that we want to bring sort of outreach into that, so bringing more 
families and kids into the church. And so what's going to happen very soon is that there's going to be a Sunday kids club. Um, and this will be for eight to 12-year-olds. Um, so basically what this is going to look like is that church is still church, so we still have church meeting, um, and kids is still going on, um, but the kids club will be expanded in that um, it's going to be uh, also for the church children, but also it's going to be an outreach event as well in that we're bringing children in, um, and this will be fueled by gospel community estates, um, and also yourself, so the church bringing your neighbors uh, families that you know, um, friends, um, and really this is us just saying this is going to start. Dan's going to talk about the details of it because he is heading up the Sunday Kids Club. Um, but this is uh, me just basically saying this needs to be a church effort really in order for the Kids Club to be a successful outreach thing that is long-lasting um, we need the whole church to be behind this in prayer, which Dan's going to talk about, but also in seeing this as a church mentality changing in terms of the fact that there are going to be all classes, all cultures uh, coming into the church, and that's what we want. We want all the families locally to be in our church, and um, one great way is to have this amazing kids stuff going on and families come into it. So that's the plan, really. Um, I'm going to move on to Dan, who is going to give you details. Cool. Okay, so how are things looking at the moment? Um, basically, we're kind of working through the details of how it would work on a Sunday, putting teams together, figuring out how are we going to get kids there. It's all kind of very detailed stuff, trying to figure out what we're doing. Um, as we're fairly inexperienced, but we trust God's spoken to us about this. So we really trust that it's going to work. Um, and so that's really what we're doing at the moment. We're just, we're just trying to figure the whole thing out, seeing when we can put a launch date in the diary. Um, but in terms of you guys actually helping, because like Lena said, this has got to be a church effort. As a kids team, we can't make this work. We can provide the stuff on the Sunday, but we can't make this work on our own. There's just not the manpower to do it. So I would love you guys and the church wants you guys and the elders want you guys to be completely behind this. And so how can you do this? Well, I've got three different ways um, that you could be doing this. Part of it is, like Lena said, gospel communities. If you're in a gospel community, particularly if you're reaching out to a particular location, a particular estate, be thinking, how can we be building relationships with kids, with families on the estates and the locations that we're reaching out to? How can we get to the point where when the Kids Club launches, we'd feel comfortable inviting my, our neighbor's kids to the Kids Club or inviting a group of kids that we go and reach out to every Friday? Would we feel comfortable and able to invite them to Kids Club? So that's the first thing you could do as gospel communities think about it. Second thing is pray. Um, we need a lot of prayer for this. Um, do you want a scary but encouraging verse for prayer? James 4 says, you do not have because... Because God's got other plans? No, because you do not ask. That's a scary and encouraging verse. So let's make sure we're asking for stuff. Let's make sure we're asking for big things. Um, let's make sure that we're asking for God to bring hundreds and hundreds of kids over the years to this kids club. To see hundreds and hundreds of kids saved, families getting saved. Uh, pray for the team. We need all the prayer we can get so that um, God helps us in terms of wisdom, in terms of knowing what we're doing. Um, but really, please, I'd encourage you guys, pray. Make it your aim to pray like your life depends on it for this. Because um, 
prayer really makes things happen. The Bible's clear on that, and we need as much prayer as we can. Um, final point is you can join the kids' team. Um, we have, can anyone who's involved in kids' work from the ages of 4 to 11 stand up if you're in the room? Okay. Even if you've just joined, even if you just joined the team, you can stand up. Okay. <laughs> Give these guys a round of applause to start with. Okay, these guys are fantastic workers. They put a lot of effort and energy into what they do. But for something of this size, we need more people involved. And we've been, we've been recruiting people, but we still need more. And particularly for the, um, so obviously the 8 to 12s are going to be a lot more kids club style, but we're still going to be having 4s to 7s, um, kind of a bit more the way we do it at the moment. And Austria's going to be heading that up. She's going to do a fantastic job, but she still needs more people. And particularly men. We've got, by God's grace, having been through a few years with hardly any guys in kids work, we've got a load of guys now for the older age group, but we haven't got any men in the younger age group. And we really want to get some godly guys who will say, yeah, I'm up for teaching four to seven year olds once every three or four weeks about Jesus. You will not regret it. I have learned so much about God by doing kids work over the last few years. Um, So I'd encourage you, particularly if you're a guy, but anyone Anyone, if you're like, I, wanna, I really want to be involved in this, whether that's the kids club or um, whether that's the, the younger kids, please come and find me if you want to, because we would love to get you in the team um, and, yeah, see what God has got planned. It's really exciting. Um, yeah, so we need your help. Um, that's, that's basically the gist of this. We need you guys to be behind it, and we're trusting God that he's going to do something amazing through this. Okay, that was my cue. Um, so we're going to move this along pretty quick. Um, I have a lovely PowerPoint. Somewhere. I know this is what you've all been waiting for. The money stuff. Um, so we shared uh, last October um, about our financial situation. Um, and so I suppose this is kind of to keep you up to date, kind of the last three months and kind of where we've got up to now. Um, so if it... I'm just going to nod at Tuli and she's going to click things. Tuli, click. Yes. (laughs) So this is a breakdown of our current budget for the current year, um, running from uh, April 11 to March 12. Um, So we are nine months in. That's three quarters of the way through, 75%. And that's basically a breakdown of our um, budget. That's just the highlights. I've got more detail on that. Um, If anyone wants to ask more questions or go into further detail, I'm happy to do that. But for the pressures of time, um, we'll just kind of speed on. Um, So next slide. There we are. So the the expense details, let's get into the details of it. I've just picked out a few details that are key for us at the moment. So um, the total for this year in terms of the budget is set at 193,000. Um, so for the first nine months of this year, that's 75% of the year, um, then we should have, then we should be reaching expenses of 145,000. Um, we have actually spent for that period, those nine months, 145,000, um, but we're actually 200 pounds under budget, which, which technically is fantastic. And, um, I promise, I promise I didn't actually doctor them at all. Like they actually came out. I was a bit surprised myself. Anyway, um, so next slide. So we, we've done the expenses. So expenses, we're doing fine. So let's look at the income. This is the income, although I lost my title. So this is a breakdown of the income. Um, you can see kind of uh, 
here we were at the October family meeting. We just had a couple of really hard months, um, August, September, coming out of summer, um, where, and we'd had a few people kind of at the beginning of last year starting to leave and things. And so our income started to take a bit of a nosedive. Um, and so that kind of, that's when we brought it to the church. Um, and uh, kind of you can see from October, November, December, things have started to pick up. The reality is, although that looks like it started to pick up, a lot of it is coming through individual gifts. Um, so, one or, so one or two people every month stepping up and saying, you know, and giving an extra um, thousand, two thousand pounds or whatever it is every month. Um, and so obviously as a church, that's not necessarily a sustainable pattern. Um, we can't just expect people to keep doing that over, over and over again. Um, so if you flick to the next one. Yeah, okay. So let's, let's get into the income details in a bit more uh, finer details. So last year's giving um, was 168000 um, in gifts, uh, regular gifts. Um, that, was, that was an increase on the year before of 25%. So this year we projected a growth of 20% to be marginally conservative, um, which brought us into 200001 um, well, 201,000, um, which w- meant we would have hit our budgetary targets and all of that. Um, so the in- estimated income to the end of December, so for the first nine months of the year, uh, we would have expected to have an income of 151,000. Um, that would have been for three quarters of the year um, with the final quarter left. The actual income to the end of December was 134,000. So that's 16,000 under what we expected or what we projected as growth. Um, which is uh, telling, I guess, um, in terms of uh, the growth of the church and the life of the church. And although there's a lot of things going on, a lot of stuff happening, um, it kind of signifies something in terms of what we're actually um, committing ourselves to and generating um, as a church. So next slide. Okay, so this, this demonstrates the the um, income against our expenses um, and just gives you a general idea of where we're heading. You can see where the green ones um, supersede the income. We make a loss that month. So you can see August, September, um, we were down. Um, although our, our expenses stay relatively stable uh, month on month. There's odd months. So in, um, in, uh, in autumn time, uh, we tend to have a spike where a lot of expenses come out because it's the start of the academic year and things like that. Um, and a lot of things coincide with that. We also have another one that kind of comes at the end of um, springtime, so between March and May, really. Um, so that's kind of in the next few months or so. Um, so next slide. Okay, so the summary. Where are we up to? Um, okay, so for the first nine months, that's April to December, um, we, we had a total income of 134000 um, minus 145000 which was our... Um, expenses for that period um, leaves us with a deficit of £10,000 for those first nine months. Um, What does that mean practically? Well, at the start of the year, um, we had £11,500 in the bank. Um, So we ended at the end of December with £850 in the bank. That's the stark reality in the figures of where we're at as a church. Um, So we've got two options going forward. We've got two options. First option... Um, we can start to make cuts out of the budget, start pulling things apart, start, um, you know, um, de-hiring people. I don't know what the technical term is. But um, we, can start, we can start firing people. Um, I just wanted to be nice. I just wanted to be nice. Um, you know, I mean, that's, that, that, that could be a very logical and to 
wise solution um, in terms of actually making cuts and trying to think, you know, how can we rein this thing in? Um, but the reality is that if we do that, our fixed costs month on month stay about the same. So it's about um, 11,500. And then there's probably about um, between two to three thousand pounds every month that's kind of um, uh, running costs on top of that. So actually our fixed cost in terms of uh, where we rent on a Sunday, um, in terms of salaries that we pay, in terms of Steph's house, in terms of other things that we're involved with, it's about 11,500. So that doesn't really solve the problem. Um, so that's not really a solution. And actually, if we do that, then what we start to do is start thinking, okay, can we move to a smaller venue? Can we, can we change this? Can we do that? And actually, any which way we do, uh, we're going to start losing out in terms of um, ministry of what God's called us to, in terms of what he's called us to in North London, in terms of what we're investing in as a church, and in terms of what we're doing with the CAP Center, with the food bank, and other things like that. Um, so... Option one isn't really an option at all. Option two is a far better option. Um, so I'm just going to read a little verse that I've been meditating on for the last uh, few months. Um, it's from James. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, you, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So why do things like this happen? to produce steadfastness, to say that we're not going to back down, we're not going to give in, we're not going to shy away from what God's called us to. Actually, everything we're doing, we believe that God's called us into it, we believe that he's spoken prophetically to us, and we believe that he's led us into it as a church. And so we're not going to shy away, we're not going to back down. Actually, it's to produce steadfastness in us. So we dig our heels in, we get on our knees, we pray, and we seek God, and, to, and he provides and a part of that provision is us as a church, gathering together and giving and sowing into what God's doing and how he's building his kingdom here in North London. Um, and so with that in mind, um, over the next few weeks now, we're going to start building up to a special offering on March the 11th, which will be our fifth anniversary. So it'll be our fifth birthday as a church. Woo. Um, I'm excited about that. Everyone else has gone to sleep. That's fine. I'll just keep talking to myself. Um, so, yeah, so March the 11th will be our fifth birthday. We're going to take up a special offering um, and, and so in terms of sowing into uh, what God's doing in North London. Over, over the next few weeks, we're going to have a build-up um, of things that we're involved with and just kind of to fill, fill us full of faith. Uh, wow. Um, fill us full of faith for what God's got for the future. Check that out. <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to hand over to Steph. Um, I will, I will, Saoirse's got a burning question. I did, I did. Now, the reason I'm not going to do that is because if I do that, then everybody goes, if I, oh, if I do this, then it'll be fine, and we'll just sort ourselves out. And technically, that's right, yeah, and I could do that, right? But it would be a fairly arbitrary thing. What I want you to do is I want you to find faith from God for it. I want you, I, I want you to actually search and say, God is... And, and review your giving and say, God, is what I'm giving, is what I'm doing, is what I'm investing, is it right? Do I need to increase it? Do I need to change it? Um, you know, I mean, even in the last couple of months, I've had a couple of people who have who've been praying about it, and actually they've moved into a new season, and actually they've said, you know, I've got to cut back on my giving. You know, and, and so, so on one hand, I think that's totally a valid point, and I really want to kind of endorse the, the practicality of that. Um, but at the same time, it, it, it's kind of, it almost deflects the whole faith 
issue. And so I kind of want people to be in faith for what they're giving and actually, you know, almost review it for themselves and say, you know, God, you know, how is my giving? You know, and I would encourage you to share with brothers and sisters as you do that. Um, you know, seek godly counsel from those that you love and trust um, and can ask um, them about that. Steph. Okay. Um, yeah, just to say, we're obviously wrapping things up now. I'm going to a couple of small things. But just to say on the, on the giving thing, I mean, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? You know, I mean, it's really, it's really tricky. Obviously, I'm sort of aware that a lot of, a lot of the money comes, sort of comes my way in terms of salary and housing and stuff like that. And, you know, I reflect on that a lot and ask the question a lot. Do we need to change what we're doing? Do we need to, you know, what, what do we need to do? And we're constantly reviewing that and, and thinking about that. Um, I just, I feel like, I, I just want to say, and I know for, for many of you in the church, this is the case, you get it, and this is, wh- this is where you're living. This is, this is the, what I'm saying now isn't you, in which case, ignore me. But for some of you, it may not be the case, and I really want to say it earnestly, you're supposed, you're, you're Christian giving, you're supposed to feel it. Okay, you are supposed to feel the thing, it's supposed to, um, it's a sacrifice. It, it, um, you don't just do what you can in order to keep so that you can maintain your standard of life as much as possible. You, you give to the kingdom and you feel it. There's repercussions, there's impact. And that's, you know, even if you were going to leave Revelation Church tomorrow, I would still be saying that to you. Take that with you to your next church. It's not coming out of um, the situation we're in. If it turns out that we're all we're all doing that, if it turns out that we are all living and giving like that and and we're still under then we'll start to cut back this it's not a stubborn thing we will never cut back it isn't that if it turns out that's what we're all doing and we're just living beyond our means then we will cut back okay um but if if we are i think it's 1500 a month under we, um that's that's the gap and we've got 850 in the bank so it's that urgent if we're under because some of us just aren't giving or are just you know giving the dog ends of what we've got um or are just not seeking the kingdom first or or just don't have a heart for the local church then i just want to say come on come on that's not that's not right um if god's called you here then you need to and and us you need to quick (laughs) you need to quickly because we need to know if that's if that's what's happening, then we can write it, and then we can crack on. If that's not what's happening, but we're actually we're all on the stretch, and I've, done, I've got no idea. I don't look at the don't look at the figures of who gives what. I don't know. But if we're all if we're all on the stretch, and we're all in faith, and we're all in that place, and we're all we're all you know that, that and uh, and we're un, and we're and we're living beyond our means, then we, for godliness' sake, we need to change what we're doing. So please, I would just ask for a really quick response on that in your heart. If you're convicted, repent sort it then we can gauge this is what's going on yeah um if 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 not and and you know before god now you know then obviously we're caring as we are and then we need to three of us need to have a conversation okay something 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 now has to change drastically in what we're doing so okay really practical really you know and no it's not stroppy or funny not at all totally we're 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 in good heart but we just feel we need to know what it is (laughs) 
Um, so if you need to straighten something out, please do serve us quickly because obviously every couple of weeks, you know, we're meeting weekly, but the finances probably fortnightly are a significant part of our conversation. Okay, where's it at? What's changed? What do we need to do? Because we don't want to go into the red. Just don't think that's honoring to God. We do not want to start doing that. Okay, so that's where we're at. I just want to ask you to please be as responsive as possible to that before the Lord. That'd be great. Okay, a few little bits and bobs. Um, uh, now please spend some money and come to the conference. Um, so uh, <laughs> this conference, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because God's, God's spoken. A guy called Phil Wilson, you really prophetic guy, came all the way down from Bedford just to speak a few months back, so I want to prophesy over you, and he said, God has called you um, to bring together um, those churches that are doctrinally orthodox, and those churches that love a bit of Pentecostal power, and to really, you've got a calling from God to bring those two together, and demonstrate those two things together, and um, that's what he shared with me, which is part of the catalyst for me doing this, and then after we prepared this and put this into place, went down to South London, Angela Kem, a mightily prophetic woman, knew nothing about this, she said, God says to you, you're called to shout word and shout spirit, and uh, really went for that, so I was like, man, God's really speaking about this, um, prophet called Keith Hazel. I was at a meeting where he was that international prophet on the 18th of January. He and he just prophesied there was, a, I think, there was one Londoner in the room, me. And he said, God, and he, he was confused why he was prophesying about London. It was for people in Norfolk. He said, Just God says, in within the next month, he's going to pour out his spirit on London in a new way. That was the 18th of January. This conference, the main days on the 18th of February. I just feel God's doing something, and I don't want us to miss it. And so I just want to ask that, you know, let's buy into this. Let's own this as a church. Let's do this journey together. We've not got a weekend away this year. We're going to do a day away, for, uh, a fun day away um, to the beach in the summer, July the 14th. But we haven't got a weekend away. We're loads of kind of input like last year. So this can be a great opportunity for us to just have Terry Virgo, Toppy, Greg Haslam with us and really receive together. So please do come along and we'd love, love, love to have you there. Um, we're trying to get a feel for numbers and stuff like that. So if you're going to come again, just if you could book as quick as possible, it really helps us know who's coming, who's in. That would be great. Um, thank you for that. Like I said, July the 14th, keep it free. Day at the beach. We're going to hopefully get a couple of coaches and just max it out on the beach. Lots of fun together. Keep that date free. Um, and uh, another little thing, um, uh, we got a bookstore on Sunday. Many of you ordered a book called Pre-Engagement, which I plugged as a book that will save those of you who aren't married and who want to be. This book will save you years of pain if you read it before choosing a partner. And I meant it. I really meant it. As a result, 22 of you ordered it. Well done. Um, that book will be at church Sunday. Please redeem it. Buy it. Don't. It, this is really, it sounds so dramatic. Um, uh, yeah, being stuck in a marriage, um, which is very, very, very hard. And, you know, you just think, man, you know, where, are we even going in the same direction and that kind of stuff? That's pretty dramatic. Okay? So please, if you, if you ordered that book, please pick it up on Sunday. Really want you to get that in your hands. Small booklet, but full of some really helpful stuff. Um, and the final thing to say is, we ran a Christianity Explored and, uh, Two guests, um, consistently. One of them got gloriously saved, Hazel's sister. I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was amazing. Um, she lives in South London, so is now being a blessing to City Hope Church. The other guy came from Ramsgate. Now, guys, 
when Keith Hazel had this word about a fresh move of the Spirit in London, and he said particularly there will be, there will be an, an ease evangelistically that never was. It will be like apples dropping from trees. And when he said that, I said, okay, I want to respond to the prophetic Lord. I don't want to just say, okay, Lord, do it. I want to respond. The prophetic releases potential. It's not you just sit there. You think, okay, what do I want to do? And I was just reminded of that time when the disciples, you know, they fished all night and caught nothing. And he said, put your nets on the other side. And I want to say that I am willing to run another Christianity Explored. We'll, we'll, I, I just, if you've got mates, I've got mates, again, I will invite them again and get old. I want to put my nets on the other side. I don't want to grow hard or cynical or full of unbelief. I, want, I think, no, God, I want to, I want to do this. I, I'm willing to get another one. Uh, we'd make it maybe last sort of four weeks, start it sometime in February. Um, I'm really happy to do that. Um, if you've got people, you think, I've got, I've got friends that are asking questions. I've got people. I thought they'd come last time. They didn't, but I'd love to get them along again. Please email me, contact me, um, and let's try and get something going. Um, in February, where we can really respond to what God is saying prophetically and drop our nets on the other side. Let's keep pushing, yeah? Let's not get jaded or discouraged. Let's keep pushing because the promise is that as we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. I absolutely believe it. So if that's you, you think, yeah, I've got someone or I know someone who can't be here tonight, but they've got someone, please contact me, let me know. Let's see what we've got. And it'll probably be around someone's house. We've got no money to hire anywhere, so we do it around someone's house. It doesn't matter, okay? The gospel works wherever we preach it, okay? But let's be hungry for souls. So um, if that's you, please contact me, um, and let's drop on it on the other side of the boat together. Amen? Amen. It's been lovely having the evening with you. Thanks so much for coming. Um, we need to be out of here at 10, and the room needs to be back to its original format. So does anyone fancy rolling their sleeves up and helping us in some way with that? Um, d- d- yeah? Great. Please, please then do that. That would be brilliant. Dan, are you helping us know what to do with the room? Okay, Dan. Over to Dan! Simon gave me two hours to remember what the room was like at the beginning. Um, there were... Okay, there's round tables over there. There were five out? I think there were... F- Let's say five. I think there were three there and then two here, and they were all surrounded by these chairs. Uh, yeah. And Phil, where did the rest of the chairs go? 